Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. student I've just finished studying a degree in speech and language therapy um, and I've been worshipping at CCM Fallowfield for the past four years and that has really flown by so um, I'm sad I can't be with you all actually in Gorton but it's lovely to join you um, on this online church service this morning. I don't know about you but um, there has been a lot of ups and downs uh, within lockdown there's been a lot of difficulty, there's been a lot of sadness, um, personally and sort of across our nation. But something that I've absolutely loved is seeing the generosity that has come out during this time. Whether that's been people doing each other's shopping or dropping off cakes at one another's doorsteps, whether it's been taking on a charity challenge and raising some money, or maybe someone's been a hospital volunteer and giving someone a lift back out of hospital. And also CCM's Give Big, an amazing amount of money was given. Now, I believe you've been looking at the earlier chapters of James in your services over the past few weeks. And they've touched on what a Christian should do, how they should speak, how they should feel. And now in chapter five, we're looking at how a Christian should give. And James is a really helpful book as we think about spiritual formation and how we put our faith into action. So let's read our passage together. If you've got a Bible handy or maybe a phone that you can look it up on, I'll just give you a second to find it. It's James chapter five, and we're gonna be looking at verses one to six. So I'll just give you a second to find that. James chapter five, verses one to six. It's titled, The Warning to Rich Oppressors. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. So just to give you a bit of context around this really interesting passage. James was writing to Christians who'd been scattered throughout the Mediterranean world because of persecution. And in their hostile surroundings, they were tempted to let intellectual agreement pass for true faith. And this letter has rich meaning for us as it reminds us that genuine faith can transform lives. Now, some of that passage we just read is about people taking advantage of the poor or gaining money in a way that wasn't ethical. I think there's warnings in here that apply to all of us. So we're going to look at an idea of living an indulgent life versus living a giving life. 
And we'll go through the examples James gives in this passage and how they contrast with the way that we are called to live. So starting at verse one, speaks about weeping and wailing. So James is talking about the return of Jesus and this coming judgment. He's speaking to the rich and saying, you better be careful. Watch what is happening with your riches. They will be evidence against you and consume your flesh like fire. That's pretty strong, isn't it? He's confronting the people who were hoarding their wealth. And James is saying all those possessions laid up for themselves are going to be like evidence against them. Their assets will become liabilities. Wealth becomes proof that you weren't about the poor. Your treasure on earth testifies against you. It's a picture of a person not practicing what he or she's been given to live a lifestyle of worship, which is caring for the widows and orphans, just like James speaks about in chapter one. Instead, fattening yourself with luxury, ready for the day of slaughter. So all this stuff you stood up for yourself is actually evidence that you didn't care about others. And James warns us of not doing what we know we should do. Verse two goes on to say, your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Here, I think James is proclaiming the worthlessness of riches and not the worthlessness of the rich. Today's money will be worthless when Jesus returns. And so we should spend our time accumulating the kind of treasures that will be worthwhile in God's eternal kingdom. But money's not the problem. We need money to live, don't we? To buy food, to pay for shelter and so on. Money can be used for good. Just think of the give big total and how much good that is going to do. Money can help us to enjoy good things. Maybe not so much at the moment, but we can go on holidays. We can have trips out with friends. We can buy ourselves some treats. But James is talking about our relationship with accumulating. Later in the passage, James says, you have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. Sounds like he's referring to living a soft life, really setting yourself up for a comfortable life on earth. But this isn't what a believer does. We don't set ourselves up in the best possible situation. James says it's like fattening yourselves up for a day of slaughter. And all throughout the Old Testament, God warns against those who don't care about the injustices of the world. And in James 5, we're given this crazy warning about our resources. Make sure you're not fattening yourself up for the day of slaughter. Instead, we can store up heavenly treasures. Matthew 6 verses 19 to 21 says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness involves trying not to be rich on earth, but trying to be rich in heaven, and that's being rich in God. Seeking the kingdom means treasuring God and his glory. 
I think scripture's pretty clear that we can't love God and money. We can't serve two masters and we have to choose between two lifestyles. An indulgent life that's all about me or a giving life. So what does it mean to not store up wealth and let it rot? We're called to give rather than accumulate. And our giving should be done in ways that honour God. So when you give freely and generously because you trust Jesus to take care of you, you are laying up treasures in heaven. On to verse four. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Love of money causes some people to oppress others in order to get more. And the innocent men mentioned in this passage were probably defenceless people, maybe poor labourers, people who could not pay their debts, were thrown into prison, or they were forced to sell everything they had. And at times they were even forced to sell family members into slavery. And with no opportunity to work off their debts, people often died of starvation. And we learn that hoarding money exploiting employees and living self-indulgently will not escape God's notice. And actually this is mentioned elsewhere in the Bible. Like 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This is a warning to all Christians who are tempted to adopt worldly standards rather than God's standards. And when I first read this passage, what jumped out to me was how often I'm tempted to follow worldly standards. I don't know about you and if this resonates with you as well, but maybe that can look like wanting to, to buy cheap clothes that were made poorly by, you know, poorly paid workers or people that have been exploited, or maybe sometimes I feel like I need to buy new things to feel good. Or maybe I need to do something on the cheap with little care for the people behind my purchase. Maybe sometimes we can be a bit like those rich oppressors. Now, I would love to tell you a little about something I'm passionate about. I'm really passionate about ethical living and pursuing God's heart for justice in my lifestyle. And this will look different for all of us, depending on where we're up to and, and the resources we have at hand. But... I love to think actively about where I buy my clothes from and how much plastic I use and whether things have been fairly traded. And God's taken me on a journey to think really intentionally about my consumer choices. And I believe that we can live out a generous lifestyle as a Christian by really thinking about our power as a consumer. And I've been challenged during this lockdown when it's been all too easy to go onto Amazon and other websites and buy something and within days it's dropped off at my door. And I love that we can look to God for instruction on how to live. But actually, I don't have to give in to some of those worldly temptations. We can bring transformation and justice by how we spend our money and our time. And I'm finding God is showing me how my life can be served better and how my resources can be served better. On to verse five. 
you have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. The message translation, which is um, kind of more of a up-to-date sort of language version of the Bible, it's quite great if you want to um, read a new a passage in a new way. And um, the message translation puts it like this. You've looted the earth and lived it up. Now we know that our world is struggling. We can look around us with climate change and its effects on the world's poorest. We have looted the earth and lived it up. We've drained the earth of resources and we've fattened ourselves at the expense of others and creation. Our luxury is dangerous. In fact, it's deadly. An indulgent life can lead us away from God. And that can mean we're trying to go alone and we know from the attempts of the Israelites throughout scripture that to worship other gods is only going to go horribly wrong. But I actually think sometimes our personal wounds can lead to that greed. We can try and fill in those big holes in our life with stuff. And the world's tendency to hoard and consume and abuse power all around us is dangerous. Take the example of slavery. I don't know if you, you know much about modern day slavery, but it's actually one of the world's biggest problems. There are an estimated 40 million people trapped in slavery globally. And that's believed to be more than ever before in human history. All around the world, people are taken by oppressors, a bit like those in our passage. Oppressors who believe that making money matters more than a person's life. An indulgent life of adopting standards other than God's is dangerous. And in chapter five, James is warning that the oppression of other people cannot go on. This injustice angers God. It breaks his heart. And we must opt for a giving life. Romans 12 verses one to two says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. We are to be living sacrifices. I just want to tell you um, a fun story from a couple of summers ago and I was really fortunate to go on a holiday to Spain with one of my uh, friends from CCM Fallerfield and um, we'd gone out to, to visit her dad who lives in Spain and during the trip um, we went on a little kind of boat journey and um, it was her dad's rib kind of a, a small dinghy boat I don't know very much about boats but anyway we went out onto the sea and it was glorious and beautiful but partway out into the sea, the engine just cut out and her dad was trying all different things and we couldn't get it to restart. And we tried on the radio and there wasn't really anyone nearby us. And so we were sort of stranded, um, thankfully in this glorious environment and it was quite nice to view and sit there, but actually we were quite worried. How are we gonna get back? Um, and because at the time, we had uh, some wetsuits on because we were doing some like water sports. Um, I offered myself 
as a sacrifice to swim to shore and go and get help. Um, and thankfully, I'm quite a strong swimmer, so it was okay. But um, there were a few points when I was swimming back where I was worried I wasn't going to make it. Um, so I swam to shore and I managed to get some um, oars off someone and I then did backstroke all the way back to the boat with the oars and we were able to very slowly pull this small boat back in, back to shore and everyone was fine. And I think actually that's a silly example but in a similar way the Christian life means laying ourselves down for others and jumping in with what God asks us to do. It would have been pointless for me to just dangle my feet over the edge of the boat. I had to jump in and go all the way to get us some help. And we're asked to challenge the culture of indulgence and instead offer our lives to God. We don't just dip our toes in the water. We're jumping in and sometimes we will, will go through those deep and challenging waters. James's writing helps us to challenge dominant culture we can change the story and live in a way that isn't oppressive. By being living sacrifices, we find freedom. We're no longer the property of the world. The world can't lay claim on us. And more than that, we are freed to free others. James was warning rich oppressors because he wanted them to surrender their greed and pride and offer their whole selves to God. When we live for God, we will treat others with dignity and make decisions that release freedom. So the book of James is about a faith that works, right? A faith that can see this world transformed. Where we live in purity, we tame our tongues to speak kindly. We offer wisdom to a hurting world. Where the poor are lifted out of poverty and exploitation is no more. You know, once we've encountered Jesus, we want to become like him. And if you don't know Jesus yet, um, I hope that this morning you are able to encounter some of his goodness and kindness. When we come to know him, we are beckoned into total life transformation and our character starts to become like his. And then we're called to continue his work on earth with the help of the spirit. We can lead a giving life. It could be easy to make all of this teaching a bit legalistic with some complicated rules. But actually, I think it's about our hearts. And as Christians, we're not supposed to be characterised by our attachment to things of this world. I came across this great quote from Henri Nguyen this week. He was, um, I think he was a priest, but he's also written some wonderful books. And he said, what God wants us to know is that before we think or do or accomplish anything before we have much money or little money the deepest truth of our human identity is this you are my beloved daughter you are my beloved son with you I am well pleased so rather than asking what can I get let's ask why am I longing for these things why am I maybe acquiring more and more for myself? How can I live more generously? You know, I think this is the very thing Jesus can save us from, this self-centeredness. He gives us a love for him and a love for people. 
And our broken relationships with him, ourselves, others and creation were the very reason for the cross. God sent his one and only son to take our place and carry our sin. A life given gives us life so that we can give to others. Maybe this week you can spend time with God speaking to him about your money and your attitude to stuff. Maybe you can think about being even more generous, living out a faith that gives away. It could be something small and practical like buying shopping for your neighbour or um, sending someone a postcard, a bunch of flowers. It might actually be that you need to be spending more time with God and his word and storing up those heavenly treasures, glorifying him in your day to day. So you can take some time to reflect on your heart and who God is calling you to be. So to wrap up, we are called to store up heavenly treasures, to sacrifice our lives to God and lead a giving life. And in the words of Walter Brueggemann, what can we prophetically imagine for our world? What could a faith that gives away create? Imagine an alternative future produced by giving life with Jesus. What would that look like for you in your home? For us in Manchester, what can we prophetically imagine for our world in our life with Jesus? I'm just going to pray for us before I hand uh, back over. Yeah, King Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your example on the cross where you gave everything for us, Lord. And Father, I pray that um, what I've shared today, the helpful things would stick with people um, and draw them closer to you. And anything that isn't helpful, just fall away, Lord. We are so thankful for your word in the Bible and that we can continue to learn from you today. Amen.